Welcome home. You're listening to the 180 Church Podcast with Dr. Sammy and friends. Dr. Sammy D. Kim is a Harvard-trained ethicist and co-founder of 180 Church NYC. He is a Yale Hastings Scholar at the Yale Interdisciplinary Center for Bioethics and the Hastings Center, where he explores the inequities surrounding health, immigration, and social policies, along with professional burnout. He is also a regular contributor to Christianity Today. For more information, please visit his website at samdkim.com. You can all be seated. Welcome. Can you tell just someone next to you, two, three people, Happy Easter. Before we start today, let's start with the disclaimer. The Easter story is so much bigger, so much larger than just one sermon. It transcends even this moment. The Easter story is how we inhibit time, how we count it. Four months, nine days, 2,023 years ago, this very day is how we count time. Ando Domini, 2,023 years since the resurrection. It's so large that it's almost cliche for me to try to explain it to you because explicitly it changed Western civilization. It changed the way we do almost everything. It's actually hidden so much in plain sight, we can forget it. Today, this sermon won't change your life. Tell someone next to you, this sermon won't change your life. You're like, well, that's a bad advertisement. I don't want to give you platitudes, cliches, or hyperboles, because the event itself is, has eternal cosmological ramifications. I can't change your life when Jesus couldn't. In one day, I can't change your life in one day when Jesus couldn't change the closest people around him in three and a half years. And Jesus could do miracles. I mean, it's a miracle for me if I could remember if I shampooed my hair in middle age or where I parked my car. Sometimes my kids are like, you don't know where you park? No. How could this middle age mere mortal change your life if the Lord himself tried to explain the kingdom in three and a half years? Clearly, the faith journey, like the song by the Beatles, is a long and winding road. It's not linear. It's a sinuous process. It's a journey. Now, the gospel and the gravitas of this day can change your life. The gospel itself can make you move toward the ramifications and the gravitas of the resurrection, but I can't. So, rather than playing Easter games... Let's do a heart-to-heart -heart conversation. No platitudes, no cliches. I want to make two appeals. I want to make an appeal for us to think critically about the story itself. And then 
I want all of us to grapple with it honestly in an existential way. Two appeals, one to the mind and then to the heart. So let's look at this passage. Jesus historically makes it very clear in history that he lived and died. Now, the more important question, if he died and lived, that's the question we're asking today. But think about the people who founded Christianity. Even the fact that we're here is a miracle. The Gospels don't depict them as legends or heroes. They were terrible friends. If you look at the story in John 19, 38 to 42, Joseph Armathia, after these things, who was a disciple of Jesus, through a secret, through, though a secret because of his fear of the Jews, he is from the Sanhedrin, meaning he was part of the political structural system that crucified Jesus in the first place. Then he takes permission from the cross because most of the time, historically, most people who died as criminals were late, just led to be rot there. They were left there. No honor of burial. And then if you read verse 39, it says that Nicodemus, who was a, a chief Pharisee, he came to Jesus by night, and him and Joseph were the ones that gave Jesus a burial. Now think about this. What kind of friends... Tell someone next to you, what kind of friends do you have? What kind of friends do you have to be not to show up to someone's funeral? One thing absent in this narrative is that none of the disciples who were the closest to Jesus showed up at the burial. I had a friend in college, pretty close. We hung out all the time. I invited him to my wedding, and he didn't show up. So I asked him after the wedding, how come you didn't come? And he gave me a like, lame excuse. Yeah, we're not friends anymore. <laughs> I mean, what kind of friend doesn't show up to your wedding if you were given an invite? Now, there are exceptions if your wife is pregnant, about to be due. Okay, don't show up. That could be very interesting. But if you have the clear invite and you don't show up, that's the end of that relationship. I mean, but the disciples didn't show up to the funeral, the burial, not even at the wake, because they were afraid. They abandoned Jesus. So think about this. The story of Easter does not start with faith. It starts with doubt, fear. The disciples weren't heroes. They were too human to be that. They were too flawed to be that. I mean, if they were heroes, they might be heroes on a sandwich, like the garnish, rather than the main ingredient. And the disciples, one thing honorable about them was that that's how deliberate they were about telling their story. They weren't afraid to tell the world. And they preached these sermons that was compiled into the gospel message and the four books of the gospels. They deliberately chose to tell the world that they weren't heroes. 
that they were sinners, that they were weak, they were afraid, and they were frail. And that's why the story of Easter is our story too. For all of us here who don't believe, who are skeptical about the Easter story, about the resurrection, about Christianity, about the church, well then Easter is your story too. Because it starts with skepticism, belief that led to wonder. The first thing we learn in this passage very carefully is we have to think about it critically. How are these men who were so weak and so broken eventually die for Jesus? If Jesus didn't die and live. Think about that. That's really the aim of today. No cliches, no emotionalism, no manipulation, no coercion. For you to think critically and grapple with the reality of that Story that the disciples deliberately told of their doubt, which welcomes an invitation for all of us to doubt. Maybe this is true. Could that be possible? I was talking last Easter to a friend of some of our physicians that went to medical school together. He was doing a fellowship at Columbia. And after the Easter service, who was an, Andrew, who was an agnostic, said to me, came up to me and said, you know, you gave me a lot to think about. This is a lot to think about. Because the resurrection story is unbelievable. But it's been celebrated for 20, 2,023 years. And that's what I want to invite you to do today, to think about it critically. Why is the story told that way? There is some historicity and veracity to the story. So that's the first thing. Think about it critically. Second. As we go to the story of Thomas, this gives us even a greater warrant to think about how we process and digest if the resurrection is actually true. What if Jesus really did rise? Then he's not just a prophet, he's not just a teacher, he's not just a moral, he's not giving you a moral framework, then he's God. He's proving that what he's saying is actually a command and not suggestions that his teachings are actually imperative and actually tethered to reality. So Thomas grapples with that, and Scripture is very prolific about and illuminating Thomas as the doubting one. Maybe like some of us who grew up in church or who are skeptical. And in verse 26, John 20, a week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them, though doors were locked, Jesus came in and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your fingers here, see my hands, reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Why? Because he said in verse 24, he goes, I won't believe unless I could see the scars in his hands and the scars in his side. Because for Thomas, his fear, when he thought about it critically, was what if this is a mirage? Sometimes you want things to be so true 
You deceive your own mind, a wish. For him, the story was too good to be true. And he couldn't even believe it. So think about this way for all of us gathered here. The disciples who saw Jesus on the day of the resurrection couldn't believe. Then how much more difficult is, is it for those of us gathered who didn't see the event to believe? That's the challenge. That's the tension of the text. But then Jesus says to Thomas, stop doubting and believe. And then Thomas said, after seeing the evidence, after touching him, knowing that it's not a mirage, my Lord and my God. And Jesus said to them, because you have seen me, you have believed. But blessed are those who have not seen yet and have believed, who will believe in your message. For me, the appeal, not only to my mind, the resurrection appeals directly to my heart because my greatest longing of my life after my parents, both my parents passed away, is to see them again. Ever since that day, both my parents, my dad at the wake, I saw him for the last time. A part of my heart has been broken that can never be whole, I know. At 11, my sister, who I never met because I was one, died at the operating table. Never met her and can't remember her. But I know. I know. And I have hope, not a wish. Because Jesus rose, that I will see them again. And my life and my heart that's broken would be made whole. And that's not a wish. Because the resurrection and the ramification of that reality is not too good to be true. Because if Jesus rose, everything changes about the way I see reality. And I can believe personally for my own life that when I die, that God will raise me and my family together. Easter is the story that your worst day isn't your last. That that affliction, that gravitas of pain, the most broken part of our lives, the greatest darkness, the greatest doubt, does not have the final say. This is what the late American novelist Frederick Beekner said about the resurrection. The worst isn't the last thing about the world. It's the next to the last thing. The last thing is the best. It's the power from on high that comes down into the world that wells up from the rock bottom, worse of the world, like a hidden spring. Can you believe it? The last Besting is the laughter deep in the hearts of the saints. Sometimes our hearts even, yes, you are terribly loved and forgiven. Yes, you are healed, all is well. 
Your worst day isn't your last and doesn't have the final say because the resurrection proves that God will make everything broken right. It started with his son. A few years ago, a friend of mine, very close, living in L.A., his wife, one obstacle to coming to faith in Christ was the fact that she said, I, I, I can't understand how Jesus himself could resurrect himself from the dead. That just, if he's dead, it's arbitrary, then it's paradox. How could he, if he's dead, literally raise himself? And I understood her conundrum because how could he? Well, I said, the Father did. The Father resurrected Jesus, not Jesus. The hope that I have about heaven and been reunited with my parents is not a wish because of the resurrection. Because faith, what is faith? Faith, you don't hope for something you already have. You hope for something you don't have, and that's what faith is. Beekner continues and says this, Faith is homesickness. Faith is a lump in the throat. Faith is a less a position on than a movement toward. Less a short thing than a hunch. Faith is waiting. Faith is journeying. Journeying through space and through time. So today, those are my two appeals. Think about it critically, what this day actually means. The evidence is before you. It's very clear, explicit. Jesus literally has changed time from B.C. to A.D. That's not something we can even argue. Western civilization hangs upon that reality. Second, if the resurrection is true, then that means whatever is broken, whatever is Injust, whatever systemat, you know, systemically broken in this world, doesn't have the final say. Hope, love, and peace is at the end of the story. So today, I invite you into the story of Easter. Whether you're a believer, a seeker, far, close, or somewhere in between, to think about it. And then grapple with the ramifications. Grapple with it honestly. And maybe you won't believe right now. C.S. Lewis didn't believe either at the halls of Oxford. He said that he, even though he believed in the Bible and Jesus, one day he still didn't believe and he was walking toward the park to have tea with friends near Oxford. And after the tea, he believed. Because faith is a journey. It's a process. It's incremental. It's not a leap. And that's the invitation I want to invite you today. So you stand to pray with me today.
So friends, like I said in the beginning, the story of Easter is bigger than this sermon, bigger than this day. The ramifications are so large, my words fail to explain its gravitas. So I want to help and describe to you what faith is today. I said that faith is homesickness, like Beekner reminds us. That faith is a lump in the throat. That faith is a position on, then a movement toward. It's less than a short thing than a hunch. Even Einstein's theory of relativity couldn't be proven until his death. But by faith, he saw it. He died not even knowing if it's true. After a hundred years, it's true. That light bends through many other means. Through faith, you can't see. And our longing has a name. So today, I want to invite you into that story with Jesus. Not coercion or even an appeal to believe itself, but an invitation. And we're going to sing this song, and then we're going to end in prayer. Will the world begin? For the world began. You are on his mind. You are on his mind. And every tear you cry. Every tear you cry is precious in his eyes. It's precious in his eyes. Because of his great love. Because of his great love. He gave his only son. He gave his only son. Everything was done. Everything was done. So you would come. Nothing you can do. There's nothing you can do. Could make him love you more. To make him love you more. And nothing that you've done. Nothing that you've done. Could make him close the door. Close the door. Because of his great love. Because of his great love. He gave his only son. He gave his only son. Everything was done. Everything was done. So you would come. So come to the Father. Come to the Father. Though your gift is small. Though your gift is small. Broken hearts, broken lives. Broken hearts, broken lives. He will take them all. The power of the word. The power of the word. The power of his blood. The power of his blood. Everything was done. Was done, so you would come. So you would come. Everything was done. Everything was done. So you would come. So Holy Spirit, we want to pray as we close our Easter service today. Whether we're far, close, or somewhere in between our faith journey, we pray 
we would think about it critically and grapple with it honestly. And I pray that the journey would lead to meeting Jesus like Thomas did and the disciples. Faith as a series of steps, not a leap or emotionalism, but reality. I bless your journey today. Will you all bow your heads for the benediction? And then we're going to enjoy a beautiful day near the water. still and know I am God. Be still and know I am. Be still and know. Be still. Be. All God's people pray. Amen. God bless you. Let's give God a hand of praise for Easter today. We have some fried chicken for you, Korean style, and all goodies. So enjoy conversation today. Go in peace. Happy Easter. He is risen. Amen? Amen. I'm so glad to see you all here, and I'm glad to celebrate Easter with you. My name is Haley, and I'm a member here at 180 Church, and I'll be sharing some community news with you. First off, let's talk about how we can give. If you're a member here at 180 Church, we ask that you continue to keep God at the center of your finances and to tithe faithfully. It's not about how much you can give, but how much you should keep. So if you're a visitor here with us today, we welcome you to our service and there's no financial obligation to give. But if you'd like to make a donation, you can do so through Venmo, PayPal, or Chase Zelle. Next, we're going to talk about small groups. Small groups are a great way to connect with others in our community and go deeper into the message. We have various groups for different stages. We meet throughout the week on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays. Some meet on Zoom and some meet in person. If you want to be plugged in, please speak to any of the greeters in 180 hoodies or shirts. Let's not forget about our YouTube page. We are live streaming Sunday service every week on YouTube. We never have to miss a service, and it's also a great way, way to share the gospel with friends and family. Now, those are all of our announcements for today.